The following podcast has been brought to you by Catholic Digital Resources. Visit the website catholicdr.com for downloadable parish resources. At Catholic Digital Resources, you can find faith-building bulletin inserts on the Sunday Scriptures, RCIA materials, ready-made PowerPoints for catechists, faith-sharing materials for Bible study groups and small Christian communities, and much more. Download faith formation resources and evangelization tools from Catholic Digital Resources at catholicdr.com. Good News Ministries of GNM.org presents Footsteps to Heaven. Life's a journey full of challenges. Sometimes we get stalled. Sometimes we get sidetracked. When we walk with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to the destination that God the Father designed for us, the results are better than we could ask for or imagine. And now, here is your host, Terry Modica. Are you feeling frustrated? What is frustrating you? Would you like to get rid of this frustration? Well, I'm going to give you eight steps for finding true and lasting inner peace, no matter what is going on around you. The first step is to identify what is making you feel frustrated. Take a moment now, if you need to pause this podcast, to bring to mind a frustration that you want healing from now, today. And then think of this. Some people can deal with this very same problem and not get frustrated. So why is it irritating you so much? Take a look at the true cause Where is your anger really coming from? Because frustration is a type of anger. It always comes from somewhere inside of ourselves. Somewhere deep, an unmet need, an inner wound, a memory that needs healing, or maybe selfishness, or maybe the idea that we need to be in control and things are out of our control. What is it that is the true cause of where your anger is coming from? Perhaps you're feeling frustrated because someone isn't changing fast enough to suit you. Perhaps you're feeling frustrated that someone needs to improve in order to make your life more pleasant and it's not happening. Or maybe you're concerned about their life. Maybe it's somebody that you really care about and they're not doing what you know they need to do in order to have a better life, to have a healthier life, to have a holier life. And in the process, your feeling of frustration goes beyond just caring about them into the self again, your own self. What is it that is frustrating you about their lack of improving their lives? Is it fear, for example, fear of what is going to happen that's bad, fear that disaster is coming? Well, now we go on to step two. Acknowledge that your frustration is a sin. And yes, at first it may not feel like a sin or or seem like a sin because there's valid reasons for feeling frustrated. Whenever we are frustrated, our attitude is not very loving. Maybe it's based on love, but we've bypassed that. For example, I just mentioned, you know, what if you're concerned about somebody else's uh, spiritual state and you're concerned about them, you're afraid fear is making you think that God is not going to rescue them in time or or that a, a bad thing that happens to them is just going to lead to disaster and stay in disaster. Um, again, there's fear there, but it's not just fear for them. 
It's fear for how it's going to impact your own life. Whenever it turns to self, and frustration always comes down to our own selves, what's going on inside of ourselves. In that case, when that happens, we are not being the saint that God created us to be. You know, when you were baptized, you received all of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the word holy is in there. The Holy Spirit is in you to help you live the holy life that you're called to live. You've been redeemed from sin by Jesus. And God the Father has recreated you into being a saint the rest of our lives are all about becoming who we really are, the saint that God created us to be, the saint that God, through his Holy Spirit, is trying to help us to be. So let's look at how frustration interferes with that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7, this describes our behavior when we are dealing with the cause of frustration in a non-sinful, a holy way. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. When we love, we do not hang on to hurts. Because love is not self-seeking. Love is caring for, wanting, desiring what is best for the other person. But frustration occurs because we insist that our own pain over what is happening will only go away when the other person shows us that they're ready to change, that they're ready to listen, that they're truly sorry for what they have done. We're looking for what is that other person going to do. But... Love is patient. Frustration is short-tempered. Love does not take offense when others do something offensive. Frustration is a defense against the offense. You understand that? Frustration is a defense against the offense. When somebody offends us, we get on the defensive. And in that defensiveness, in our self-protection, we develop fear or we develop anxiety, worry, you know, about how bad things are or whatever. And our focus is on the evil and become very frustrated and lose the peace that comes with being loving. Love does not insist on having its own way. Frustration is the emotional act of insisting that someone else must do something. Someone else must do it to bring justice when we have been treated unfairly or to, to bring an end to whatever it is that's frustrating us, to, to change their lives in a way that we know they need to change. But love does not insist on having its own way, even when it's for the sake of someone else's best interest, what's best for them. We like to point the finger at other people instead of looking deep within ourselves about what is triggering this anger, this frustration, instead of me responding with love being patient, Love not taking offense. Love not insisting on its own way. Love being everything that God himself is. We'd like to point our finger at other people because it's easier than admitting the sin of our unloving reaction to what they have done or what they're not doing that's, that's so frustrating. To overcome this, ask God 
to help you see those people or that other person the way he sees them through his loving eyes. Because 1 Corinthians 13, again, this is verses 4 to 7, describes God and how he's treating us, how he's treating you. Let me read that again. Because God is love. Look at that scripture from the perspective of describing God. God is patient. The Holy Spirit in you is patient. God is kind. The Holy Spirit in you is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God is not rude. God is not self-seeking. The Holy Spirit in you is not self-seeking, but is only concerned about the other person or other people who are impacted by the situation that is so frustrating. God is not easily angered, and the Holy Spirit in you is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs, and the Holy Spirit in you is helping you if you avail yourself of that, if you tap into, if you connect yourself to the Holy Spirit in you through prayer. God in you is erasing the memories that you're clinging to. is breaking the connection. I'm not saying it's going to make you forget because sometimes we really do need to remember in order not to, to fall into the trap of being abused or, or whatever. Being stuck on remembering what is bad, what happened that is frustrating you, clinging to that memory keeps you in a loop of evil, keeps you in a loop of focusing on something that is not Jesus himself, not God and all of his goodness. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. The Holy Spirit in you is not focused on, it's aware of, yes, but not focused on what is evil in the other person who is frustrating you or in the situation that's frustrating you, but rejoices in the truth. The Holy Spirit in you knows what is going to happen. The Holy Spirit knows what is good about it. The Holy Spirit knows that if it's a person who is frustrating you, what God has in mind to bring that person the change that is needed. The Holy Spirit knows how long it's going to take. The Holy Spirit knows the truth. And you can tap into that truth through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes. God always perseveres. The Holy Spirit in you is persevering through the trial, through the waiting for whatever is going to come out of, whatever goodness is going to come out of the situation or the person that's frustrating you. The Holy Spirit in you will help you persevere, not just tough it out and get through, but persevere in the joy and the peace that God himself has even during the bad stuff. So part of this second step of overcoming frustration is to ask God to help you see the other person through his eyes, through his loving eyes. See the offender as somebody who is weighed down by bags of garbage. These bags of garbage are the abuse that's been afflicted on him or her. The rejection and misunderstanding and poor role modeling that they've experienced in their lives. Look past the garbage to see the real person underneath. The Lord taught this to me many years ago when 
one of our core team members at the very beginning of Good News Ministries, we, we started this ministry in 1995. In the first few years of it, we had a close friend who was part of the core team who was alcoholic and caused us all kinds of problems. Boy, was I frustrated with that relationship with him. And I prayed, Lord, help me. In my prayer time, the Lord gave me an image, a mental image of a big gem, a multifaceted, multicolored gem. And he said to me, this is the gem that he really is deep down inside, the person I created in my image. And I could see that the light reflecting off of the different facets of this gem, it it reflected different colors and it went out into the world and made a difference producing good fruits. I mean, this was, this is what we have inside of all of us. But he grew up with two alcoholic parents and the way that they mistreated him, the insufficient love that they gave him, the codependency they gave him instead of genuine unconditional love was mud and muck being thrown onto his gem. Then, of course, his own sins was additional piling on more mud and muck until he'd gotten to the point where when I knew him, his gem was so hidden by this muck, I was no longer able to benefit from it. I was no longer able to enjoy it. So the Lord asked me to look past the muck. And I agreed. I said, okay, with your help, Holy Spirit, I will look past the muck. And I focused on this mental image of the gem. And I tell you, my frustrations just melted away. I was able to be at peace and even joy when I was around him. And sometimes the joy left, yes, because we were dealing with, yet again, another reason to forgive him. I had to forgive him multiple times a day. How often are we supposed to forgive? Not just seven times, which is what Peter said. Hey, because seven is the number that means perfect. And Jesus said, more than that. 70 times 7, which means infinitely so, all the time. Every time the person frustrates you again, you need to forgive again. And forgiveness does not mean that you forget what they have done, because yes, you do need to protect yourself. But you forgive as in letting go of the the chain that binds you to the emotional impact of what they have done to you. All right. Step three is to repent. Turn away from the feeling of frustration. To repent means to change your mind. Choose to accept people the way they are, even though you don't like everything about them. What if they never improve? Could you still accept them that way? You don't necessarily have to like them and like everything that they're doing. But could you accept them as a beloved child of God, even if they don't know that they are a child of God. And if they do begin to change, is it okay if they don't change fast enough for you? What if their lack of improvement or slow growth causes more problems? If you try to repent under your own willpower, these things are all very difficult to repent from. Okay, the frustration that these things cause you, very hard to repent from. But if you try to repent under your own willpower, you're not going to get very far. 
Ask the Holy Spirit to intervene in your life and help you repent, help you change, because God will give you supernatural help, because you're asking for exactly what he wants you to ask for. Repentance also means forgiving yourself for getting frustrated. Remember that. And even if you don't feel that relief right away, remember, God admires you, appreciates you, and forgives you for taking one step forward. That's why this podcast show is called Footsteps to Heaven. It's one step at a time. If you make one step forward today in letting go of your frustration, God is delighted with you. Keep working at it. Tomorrow, take another step, but be delighted with yourself as well. Now, even after deciding to repent and forgive, the feeling of frustration usually remains. Why is that? To discover the answer, we need to move into step four, which is to recognize that your desire for people to change is another sin. Because loving means seeing the good in others while not holding their sins, their bags of garbage, the muck on their gem, not holding it against them. Because we do love them, we want to see them become free of their garbage. For their own sake, we do wish they would change. And then, do we get angry when they don't change? Yes, that's where our sin comes in. That's where we sin again. To overcome this frustration of them not changing, we need to stop looking at their garbage. We need to stop looking at the muck on their gem. But how do we do that? Step five, learn what is the root of your desire for that other person to change. Usually, the root is fear. We are afraid of getting hurt again, and so we reach the conclusion, I should be upset with them for not changing. This really means, I must hurt that person now because he might hurt me in the future. We may not be conscious of our desire to hurt that person, but somewhere deep down inside, don't you have the feeling of, if I can retaliate if or if I can give them the silent treatment, or if I can stay away from them, not for your self-protection, but as a punishment to them, isn't there something I can do to make them stop because they feel punished? If we want them to feel punished, we need to examine what is going on inside of us. This is a root cause of frustration. We want them to feel punished, and we're not seeing them getting punished. They don't even have to know that we're frustrated. We can let go of our desire for them to know that we are frustrated because that's a form of trying to get revenge, trying to retaliate, trying to make them feel bad. Yes, it's good when they feel bad because they become remorseful, but when we're trying to make them feel bad, that's a form of revenge. We're saying, if you change, then I will be happy and I will love you more or I will begin loving you again. The people causing our problems need our acceptance. To give this to them, we need to get in touch with God's love for them. When we love him with his unconditional love, they experience God's healing touch, even if they are not aware of it. When we give them unconditional love that comes from God, they experience his healing touch through us. Step 6. Discover the true source of your happiness. Our happiness does not depend on others and how they treat us 
It does not depend on whether or not someone else changes. It does not depend on us getting what we've been praying for. It does not depend on the situation that is frustrating us coming to an end. We get frustrated if we are counting on the end to the problems, the remorse from those who are sitting against us. If we are depending on that for our happiness, we are frustrated until it happens. We don't need constant kindness from others to feel good. Our happiness depends on how good our relationship is with God, not someone else, with God. Because God is our true source of joy and inner peace and having a calm, non-frustrated spirit. We're happy because we're partners with God making a difference in someone else's life, even if we don't see the difference. If we are praying for them, if we are giving them our unconditional love, We are God's partners in making a difference in their lives. And yes, with God, we are waiting for them to turn to him because he does not go against their free will. But when we are partners with God and we can focus on that partnership instead of the externals, if we focus on the Holy Spirit in us, the one whose opinion of us that really matters, a lot of our frustrations come from how that other person is thinking of us. What do they think about us? You know, it's not good. But it's only God's opinion of us that really matters. God is our true source of joy. We can be happy that God will never do anything to hurt us. God doesn't want you to be suffering from what's going on. Jesus is suffering with you. What happened on Good Friday is happening still in the difficulties that you're facing. Jesus is suffering with you over the evil that is going on. But knowing these things is not enough. The next time a problem occurs, it's so easy to get unhappy and frustrated again. It seems like we're only going to be happy if the frustrating situation or the frustrating person changes. You are on a cross. You've been nailed by the people who have been frustrating you. God may want to get you off of that cross. But while you are still suffering... Jesus is offering you resurrection because there is always resurrection past every crucifixion. Focus on what Jesus is offering you. So now we're getting into step seven. Kill off all illusions about other sources of happiness. We need to become a sign of the true loving and healing presence of Jesus. Philippians chapter 3 verses 17 through 21 tell us, Join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. You see, by the way, let me insert into the scripture here. Notice how Paul is talking about the tears he felt. When you have tears over what is going on, what is frustrating you, those tears are not necessarily a sign of being frustrated. They're not a sin. They can be tears of mourning. They can be tears of feeling concerned about the state of the other person's soul. Those are holy tears. Because, as Paul said, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. 
and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will become like his glorious body. Get your eyes off the people who hurt you and look at your own relationship with God who is love. God, whom you rejected when you gave to others your anger and frustration instead of God's love. Look back at God. Put your eyes on him. As I like to say, keep your eyes on Jesus. How might you be an enemy of the cross? We need to look at that. Going back to that earlier step of examining our own conscience and looking at our own sin so we can repent. How do we become an enemy of the cross? By rejecting our own crucifixions. People who hurt you are nailing you to the cross. They are nailing you to their belief system, their garbage, their sinfulness. And when you're frustrated, you're fighting the cross. Jesus showed by his example that going to the cross for someone is good. Consider this example. Jesus allowed you to crucify him to your garbage. But how can it be a good thing for you to be nailed to someone else's unloving behavior? John Chapter 12, verses 24 through 26 says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world, in other words, we are willing to be crucified out of love for someone else, that person will keep his life for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. Jesus said, and where I am, and that includes the cross, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Your desire for the unloving person to love you must be nailed and killed. Your desire for that unloving person, that that frustrating person to stop being so frustrating must be nailed to the cross. Because when you nail it to the cross and allow it to be killed you will be killing the source of your frustrations. You will begin to experience the growth of peace and joy. If we love our life, we will lose it. By hanging on to your life of frustration, you lose what you want most. In your desire for the unloving person to love you the way you want to be loved, you are focusing on what is hurting you and you lose touch with whatever amount of love that person does have to give you. And now, step eight. Follow Jesus all the way to the cross in order to reach the resurrection. To truly love others, we embrace them despite their garbage. Jesus, in order to take our sins to the cross, had to embrace us while we were still laden down with our bags and bags of garbage and all that muck on our gems. Embracing the bearer of garbage is truly following Jesus all the way to the cross, all the way through the cross to the resurrection. The other person might not change, but you will. You will find inner peace and joy no matter how much you suffer. You will no longer be damaged by the hurts that have been inflicted upon you. You will no longer be frustrated by the situation because you will no longer have a reason to feel frustrated. Because you're focused on the resurrection. And the minute you start focusing on what Jesus is bringing to you in resurrection, you are resurrected from your own cross. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31 through chapter 5 verse 2 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, 
along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And to do all of this, to go through all these steps, pray this prayer to the Holy Spirit with me. Come, Holy Spirit, renew me. Come, Holy Spirit, fill me. Come, Holy Spirit, you have my permission to change me. Amen. This podcast was made possible by supporters of Good News Ministries who hope to strengthen and build your faith. If this episode speaks to your heart, then I ask you to pass it along to your family and friends. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. Forward it by text and email. And let us know what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. How has this episode made a difference? You can contact me through the Good News Ministries website at gnm.org or by texting me if you are one of our subscribers on WhatsApp. May I ask a favor of you? Please cover this life-changing podcast ministry in your daily prayers. And if you can, help me continue making these podcasts by becoming a sponsor. Any donation is helpful, but we are especially seeking sponsors for upcoming episodes. You've been listening to Terry Modica of Good News Ministries. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website at gnm.org. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit gnm.org today.